Welcome to BDO in the Boardroom, a podcast series for board of directors and those charged with governance. Each episode features a topical discussion with board peers and subject matter experts on both trending and timeless boardroom issues, covering a myriad of issues including, but not limited to, mitigating risk in the increasingly digital world, navigating your board career, from landing your first board seat to succession planning in support of the next generation, to other top of mind issues such as ESG reporting, shareholder activism, and the insights we share through the BDO Center for Corporate Governance and Financial Reporting. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe on iTunes or Spotify. Let's get started. Hello, I'm Amy Rojek, Director of BDO Center for Governance, and I'm so happy to have the chance to sit down with Dan Fuller, my fellow ESG leader and colleague, to discuss opportunities to align the board's oversight of ESG strategy with taxation considerations to be truly impactful in corporate decision-making in this evolving area. So a little bit about Dan. He is a managing partner who leads our firm's tax ESG strategy and services and BDO's UK tax desk. He oversees various specialty tax practices and brings unique specialized experience for, from his over 25 years, which ranges from tax consulting for complex business organizations and their owners, to understanding the nuances and industry complexities that private equity-backed entities face, as well as consulting on tax and business planning opportunities with high net worth families and family offices. He uses his unique experience to bring his clients the latest business insights surrounding tax accounting method issues, business and green energy incentives, international tax planning, and most recently, CARES Act tax planning. So under Dan's purview are various specialty practices within BDO, including the firm's green energy tax incentives, research and development tax credits, fixed asset consulting and accounting methods, which allow him to clearly consider all the various areas of total taxing taxation. And what we're here to discuss today is, of course, ESG. So, Dan, welcome to the program. Thank you. All right. So, first off, maybe we set the stage for the audience in terms of how tax actually overlaps with uh, environmental social governance or ESG. Yeah, it's really interesting. If you look at the way the world is today in the global aspect, now within the U.S., you're really seeing an emergence of the ESG from a reporting standpoint. So many companies, many companies in the boardroom are talking about ESG. Oftentimes though, what we're finding, especially through our BDO Outlook survey we just did in 2020 of tax directors, many of the tax directors want to be involved in ESG, know they should, but less than a quarter actually are. Uh, and I think that goes into that ESG is so broad when you get to the E, the S and the G, that we forget about taxes oftentimes. And when you look at it, you know, taxes are at the heart of everything. You can't operate anything in a business without a tax impact on that piece. So, you know, you need to really look at the tax piece of ESG. Now, that makes a lot of sense. And I think for so many of the directors that we speak to, a lot of the E, the S, and the G are driven around transactional components of the business. So it makes perfect sense that tax would be heavily tied to all of these things. So I guess we're finding that a significant number of companies that we're working with are still really at the very beginning of the whole concept and understanding of how to make ESG impactful into their business strategies. So maybe maybe you could share a little bit of the advice you're giving to folks that, that are just starting out. Yeah, thanks, Amy. You know, one of the things that we're seeing right now is just that, that where do we start? Whether I'm at the beginning of my journey or somewhere in the middle, um, what's the roadmap? I mean, part of the piece that we have in tax that leaves us in a little bit of limbo is 
there really aren't any regulations out there to follow. So what do you do? There is a set you know, of GRI 207 that's out there in the tax, not applicable to what, what we do because there's no regulatory pieces and it's a lot of information, but where do we go? And so what we did here at BDO is we put together after looking at some of the uh, different rules that are out there uh, universally in the global standpoint, international, and then talked to a number of companies that are reporting and came up with what we call kind of the BDO ESG tech cipher. And that cipher kind of allows you to walk a journey and whether you're beginning in the beginning of the journey, whether you're somewhere in between, or whether you're re-looking at uh, you know, some changes from regulatory or other pieces of your journey, it allows you to organize the thoughts around that. Because many times when you say ESG, people go to one thing. Oh, that's tax credits, right? right. Or, oh, it's that, but it's really much more holistic than that. And so what I tell everyone, the first step that you need to make when you're starting your ESG, ESG journey is make sure you understand your approach to tax. And this sounds very simple, but a lot of companies haven't taken the time to necessarily write down what's their approach. How do we deal with regulatory authorities, right? Gone are the days of put them in a room and turn the heat way up, uh, <laughs> right? And uh, and see if they leave quicker and, and don't look as hard. Um, so, you know, we're really looking at that. What is your approach to regulatory? Do you follow the rules? Are you playing roulette, right? Before technology, maybe a Nexus study was, we'll wait and see. Um, and so I think a lot of times what we always say, the first piece when you're looking at that is you need to understand what the company's culture, what the company's ESG strategic vision is, and ensure that tax overlays within that and that your approach to taxes uh, fits into that overall structure and framework. So really, that's the first time. And a lot of times we're helping them just write that down. It doesn't mean they don't have it. Uh, but a lot of times they haven't written down. When you write something down, I always tell my kids it kind of becomes real, right? And you talk about it, it's different. So you know, when you look to that, I think that's really the beginning. Then we talk to them, you know, what is really at the end of the day, your governance and risk management, right? Do you have a process to go through and look at that? Do you have, um, you know, a risk advisory mitigation strategy, executive oversight of your tax strategy? You know, what's the reporting piece that you have to the board? What is kind of your internal controls? And when we look to this area, uh, oftentimes we have to be careful because people go right to socks, right, in your yeah. world and say, oh, well, here's a check the box kind of approach. And that's not really what we're looking at or talking about in the ESG, kind of the governance section of that. Mm -hmm. uh, so it's really making sure that you've got the proper governance, the proper oversight, again, tying back into the framework of what you're trying to do as a company, you know, really moving then into kind of then your total tax contribution. So, you know, what is that, you know, deliverable that you're looking at? What is the data? What types of credits and incentives are you looking at? So all those things that revolve around the tax. But as you can see, there's two component pieces before we even get to all the data. So generally, we talk about this you know, journey uh, within the cipher to be able to start to at least give a framework to work around. And the cipher that you're mentioning, I believe we're coming out with a publication to kind of put this into a visualization to make it easier for boards and tax directors and other financial management folks to really understand how the components are all going to fit together in their kind of strategic planning of, of all of this. Yes, yeah, so you're seeing a number of articles. All of a sudden, I think the tax world is waking up. Where is the T and ESG? It's kind of uh, the <laughs> slang in our in our world right now. And so through these conversations, you know, what we said is we wanted to have an approach that was replicable, both for our clients and even to be quite frank internally, so that our own partners are looking at the journey the same way, talking about the same things, making sure we don't miss something. Again, doesn't mean that you might be further along. And so we may skip a couple of those areas to go in. Um, but we just wrote an article 
you know, about the journey and how to work through those three components that I just talked to and the things that we should be looking at. We sprinkled in some of the whys too, which I think is, is very interesting. Now that, that makes a ton of sense. So maybe, you know, you said a minute ago about the reporting requirements and the fact that there's really not regulations around this. Can you expand on that a little bit more? Because you threw in GRI, the Global Reporting Initiative, and there's a ton of other you know, frameworks that people are using across the globe to report on um, the VRF, which combines the SASB and, and all of that stuff. So give me a little sense about the types of reporting and the differentiation potentially from the qualitative to the quantitative. Yeah. So if you look, I mean, really the only substantive reporting is the GRI 207 for tax. So if you're looking at the kind of all-inclusive what's out there, that's probably your best starting point. Part of that is what actually we worked into the cipher to kind of add those pieces in. What you're seeing right now is it's optional, right? Which is pretty much the same uh, on the financial statement side of it, although that's rapidly changing, as you well know, in different areas, and I think will continue. Um, and so, you know, it really comes down to this qualitative, as you said, versus quantitative. So when we did our Outlook survey, one of the things that we found that less than 25%, 23 to be exact, actually said they're reporting on a quantitative and qualitative standard. The rest of them aren't, yeah. right? And, and I think that really leads into the fact of, you know, why are we reporting? It's your stakeholders, right? And when you come to the tax side of it and even ESG in general, I think the reason that today is different than before, right? Because we've had LEED certified buildings. We've had ESG rules for over 10 years, right? This was an in vogue, you know, uh, piece a number of years ago. So what's changed? Um, I think what's changed is not really the regulators driving it, although they may be the ones managing it to have make sure that we have comparability. It's the stakeholders, right? So it's your investors, it's your employees, right? So, um, and that's different. When when that talks, people listen. Uh, and so I think, you know, when it comes into the tax side of it, you know, the qualitative is what you'll see first. It's a little bit easier to talk about the qualitative components. The data has its own challenges on that piece, but it's very important. I agree. I agree with you. So but you, you talked about, I believe you talked about managing perceptions earlier. So let's, let's talk a little bit more about that because I think that's, that's a critical piece because some of the, the things, and maybe this is where you're going with this, some of the things that we see are there's the group out there that thinks this is you know, kind of a, a flash in the pan, if you will, or it never quite gained traction before. Why is it going to gain traction now? And you started giving some reasons for that. Um, but then you have the other the other extreme side that there's companies that have been doing this forever and they're in a really good position in this day and age to now be able to meet some of the regulatory demands that are we're anticipating to hit very, very quickly, particularly in the U.S. and then elsewhere in the U.K. and Europe and and wherever you're <laughs> you're operating. So let, let me hear your thoughts on, on that. aspect. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know. We have to be careful because perception becomes reality very quickly. And, you know, if you look at a financial statement, there's tax reporting. Most people can't tell you really what that is. Uh, you know, when they when they read to a common, you know, uh, person out there that isn't familiar with financial statements. So a lot of things can be insinuated within a report. You know, if you look at, you know, Apple's the most recent one. Look at the press and how they've lambasted them for not paying their fair share of taxes, keeping money overseas, uh, right or wrong, right, on that piece of it. And so... You understand, I'll give you an example. I was just talking with a, an automotive-based company about their ESG reporting. And one of their concerns is, you know, we don't pay any federal income tax. And so someone could say, look, on the pavement, you're just like Apple or any you know, another company. 
But that's because they're taking advantage of incentives and investing in new buildings. So, right, a lot of tax law, credits and incentives drive either green or social policy. And so they're taking advantage of these social policy pieces, creating the jobs, getting the bonus depreciation. So they're doing really nothing wrong. But in that statement could be. Now, if you look at that same auto manufacturer, they're probably one of the top payers of tax in, in Michigan, for example, between self-employment tax or you know, employment taxes, property taxes, right? When you go into all these different other taxes, sales tax, um, you know, they're a very large taxpayer. So one of the things that we talk about when we're in the in the companies is we understand that you may not want to share because you don't have to all of the quantitative pieces of it, right? But you should accumulate those because mm-hmm. what you don't want is to have your CEO out at a shareholder meeting or out somewhere in a recording piece and have something like that thrown out at them and not have a rebuttal to that piece. That's absolutely right because right. and did you know, right? And so a lot of times what we're telling people when you're doing your reporting, don't ignore the quantitative. Be like, well, we've got that. I think you need to marry the two. And now your question is just what you do external versus internal. But having that information internally and sharing that with the board, you know, sharing that with your executive team provides them with the ammunition, you know, so they can make sure that the realities are out there and not just perceptions. Now, that's that's a great point. And I think that that often gets overlooked, particularly now when you hear you know, the, the loudest cries from whoever the, you know, your various stakeholders could be is because everyone wants more information and they want everyone to be more transparent. But at what, you know, at what point do you, do you pull that together and make it so it's understandable? Well, and it's interesting, Amy, too. I was just talking with um, a oil and gas company, right? They're in the transmission side of that really, really, relatively large company uh, out of Oklahoma. And they're pretty far along their ESG journey. They, they've actually turned, their industry is not necessarily the most ESG-friendly industry. So a number of years ago, they turned what was a negative into what they felt to be a, a very strong positive. So when they went on their journey and started accumulating data, that also you know, brought things to the forefront. And they're actually able to reduce their emissions you know, by half on some of their transmissions now. They're able to reduce some of the volume loss because they've looked at that and they're recording the data. So it's interesting, too, is as you're trying to just record the data, like anything, data provides insight. And so once you have that insight, then you can really, you know, take action on that piece. And that's become really a stronghold of theirs and part of their company, which was at one time, potentially the industry was a dirty word within ESG. They've turned it into a strategic advantage. Now, what they'll say is the rest of the industry is starting to catch up very fast now because of this. So it really gives me hope that, you know, we have these early adopters and, and they're great. And then they did it for the right reasons. Now with the regulatory pieces, people are starting to get on board with the stakeholder component pieces. We're seeing, uh, you know, people take action and, and it's catching up very quickly. And, and in a couple of cases, they're saying, you know, some of their competitors are even you know, starting to pass them a right. little bit in certain areas. And, and which is the whole point about what we're trying to accomplish. No, I, I agree with that. And if I could tie it further back toward the boardroom to make this clear that you know, if you think about the board's role in strategy, right? Management is determining strategy with board input, and the board's whole role is to oversee the execution of that strategy. So if your strategy doesn't include all these aspects from the start, well, then you're already kind of failing that test, that, that oversight test, because strategy is lacking. But what I'm hearing you say is a lot of what the companies that you're dealing with, they're really forward-looking and taking a lot of what I think a lot of companies perceive as risk and turning it into opportunity. And I think that's, that's kind of the, I guess, been the 
I don't know, the talisman for the for the ESG world is everything is like, well, we're talking about risk, managing risk and risk and risk, but there's a lot of opportunity there if you think about things differently. And I think that's part of the board's role in challenging financial executives in the company and others that are trying to build processes and procedures and, and benefit the company. And I think when you think about the role that tax can play in that, and I think we're going to get into this in a second, but in terms of taking a, look, a hard look at some of the incentives that may be not being utilized and seeing how that can change the business model and the, and the kind of the mission of where you're headed. Can you talk a little bit about the incentive side? Because I think yeah. that's where companies are seeing a lot of, of value. And if, if you look at it, you know, tax has often been a catalyst to change within the E environmental side and the S on the social side, right? Whether it be your investment tax credit for solar, for wind, right? And trying to take those down. I think solar is one of the huge wins that we've had when you look at the cost of solar 10 years ago with the incentives for the investment tax credit to now, uh, you know, it's halving itself. It's almost like chip manufacturing right. and then how much faster they're getting. Um, you know, and then you look to some of the social, the new market tax credits, right? The investment in these lower income communities, trying to create jobs and those pieces. Even the R&D tax credit is a jobs credit at its core. So a number of these opportunities are out there. And when you start getting into the social mindset and tax starts coming along with that piece, I think you really get a meld of what the opportunities for change are within the tax incentives and what they're really meant to be, not just a tax incentive. I'll give you an example, right? And it kind of ties back to board. I was meeting with a, a board member of a gaming company. That gaming company was looking to do some things uh, within, you know, tokenization. But, you know, in their area, that takes a ton of energy. So what happened? Stakeholders, a lot of backlash. You know, if you do this, you're taking energy. And so, um, you know, was that their gaming community? And so they kind of stepped back. And one of the things that we talked about was, hey, you know, the energy grid is where it is today. We're moving to renewables. We're trying to do that. Would you be interested in investing in some of these, you know, tax structures to be able to help these projects get off the ground through the financing? There's a tax benefit. There's nothing wrong with that, too. But then they were able to mitigate that. So they're now looking at a strategy that says, listen, we need, you know, as a business, we need to move forward with this. So there's a business issue there that there was some backlash in the ESG. So it's in the board I'm talking about. Well, tax is stepping up saying, hey, guess what? We might be able to be a solution, which normally you wouldn't think tax is a solution to an energy issue. Right. Or, or a stakeholder issue there. But we have these credits and incentives. So when we look through that lens mm -hmm. of what they are and what the company's needs are, oftentimes you can combine those two to get the result of a lot of times what they're really intended to be able to do. So I'm finding it really exciting. One of the things BDO is doing right now, we're actually launching today at the, uh, the seminar that I'm at. We created a ESG Credit Connect. Uh, and so what we're doing is we're accumulating a lot of these credits. And trying to put them into a database to connect, you know, the tax motivated investors, connect, you know, the boards that are looking at that, the stakeholders, and trying to create that community piece where we can help people make the connections to the right projects for the right views for the right reasons. And so we're pretty excited about that. That's amazing. And I think what you just said kind of brings it all back because as companies start looking at some of the, the mitigation aspects of this, I think it goes back to our qualitative discussion earlier, just so that someone that picks up, whether right now it's a sustainability report for a company or in, you know, a year, two, three years from now, it's now an integrated financial report with non-financial information, i.e. ESG, that they can really understand how all of these risks and opportunities fit together, 
how the company is moving forward in their goals and objectives, and then ultimately how they're tying back to performance, because that's a whole other aspect that's beyond the scope of this presentation. But um, I really I really appreciate your thoughts today, Dan. I, I'm going to give you the last word on, on anything that you want to yeah. say with respect to ESG. I think, you know, to kind of tie it all together when we look to the boardroom, right? In the tax world, I think tax professionals have fought hard to have a seat in the board. And I think that they do now. Um, companies do realize the impact of tax. It's not really the last thing to think about. Uh, and so, you know, what I do is I just, you know, implore my fellow tax colleagues, whether you're a tax director or a CFO with responsibility over tax, you are the steward of ESG and tax and making sure that, you know, as you look at your sustainable strategies and your reporting piece of it, the tax has a seat at the table and that people are considering tax. So remember that now is the time we should be part of those conversations. We are the stewards with the board to make sure that we're doing that. Uh, and hopefully, you know, the article that we have coming out in the cipher can help people along that journey. And, uh, you know, we wish you all the best. Dan Fuller, everyone. Thank you for joining us. And all of the resources we mentioned today, we will post with our podcast. So thanks to our audience and look more uh, for BDO in the boardroom. Thank you for listening to BDO in the boardroom. Past episodes and related insights are available at BDO.com slash BDO boardroom. Or you can go to iTunes or Spotify to rate, review, and subscribe. The views expressed by our guests do not necessarily reflect the views of BDO. For more information on the BDO Center for Corporate Governance and Financial Reporting and the resources we provide, visit BDO.com slash BDO Knows Governance.